0: Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Asciatino. And I know for several of my stalwart listeners, they're probably like, my goodness, you're back. What happened? Well, (laughs) a lot happened. Uh, Let me explain. My last episode was about the uh, attempted coup in the United States, the storming of the Capitol. Um, I'm very happy to see that there has been a good amount of views of, of listens to that. Hopefully, hopefully people are taking some of that to heart. Um, you know, I stand by now what I said at the time. Um, I do believe it was either an attempted an attempted coup gone wrong, or uh, it was it was either more possibly um, an attempt to to see what was what reaction times were how different people would react to things um you know there's um in the movie Zulu, which is um a, g- a great movie it's about the siege of of works drift in um the zulu wars the british empire i'm um, I'm obviously not condoning that it was a terrible attempt by the british to uh you know knock the Zulus out of power completely um unfortunately it worked but um there was a point where uh, the Zulu warriors came down and they outnumbered the British. I think it was 4,000 to about 200. And at one point they came down within range of the guns, the British rifles, but they weren't attacking. And the British were just firing away. And then finally they were like, you know, this is great, you know, how stupid of them, ha, ha. Um and then the one guy says, "Hey, do you see those guys that are standing up a little bit away on the on the kind of the cliff top surrounding the mission?" And I see yeah, he goes, "They're counting the number of rifles you have. Um this is this is a test. They're willing to sacrifice some troops in order to see how many so they will know in the future they only have this many. They can't possibly surprise us with more. So if they can account for, if there are 100 in this area, there can't be more than 125 in this area. And that's kind of how I view this possibly. I'm, I'm I'm, still torn about it. I think that this was an attempt to see, number one, how quickly the reaction time of security forces around the Capitol was. And number two, who was going to actually reply? Like, were, were there going to be individuals that would be like, no, the heck with this, I'm taking charge and moving troops in, uh, that have to be removed before the next attempt. So anyway, that was my, uh, that was my take on that. And then what happened was, as life goes on, uh, about a week later, um, I started having some problems breathing. Now, I'd grown up with a congenital heart defect and, um... I would say my whole life, but growing up with it, it kind of insinuates that. And what happened was, um, you know, I got a little nervous. I was having some problems breathing, especially laying on my back. It was painful. I felt like I was, you know, I was I was trying to breathe underwater almost. So what I did was, um, I did the smart thing, and even in the time of COVID, uh, I went to the hospital. I checked myself in to the hospital, and... Went there, let my cardiologist know about it, a couple of other things. And what happened was um, they, you know, through testing, they found out that the one valve that I've got that they had done some work on before, um, the valve had calcified. And so the valve was no longer really functioning. They're like, we have to replace the valve. So I went from, you know... Just uh, la di da, uh, with you know, within a couple of days, I would say, to being in the hospital and being told, you know, you need to have a valve replacement. Now that's serious surgery, okay? You know, that's that's not just having you know, that that's not just having something, uh, you know, aspirated, um, and made even more, you know, made even more trying by the fact that. I couldn't have any friends or family come visit me. I had to just talk to everyone on the phone um, and FaceTime, which fortunately I had and I, and I could do that. And I'm thankful because if this was 20 years ago, wouldn't have had any of that stuff. Okay, so um, you know it was it was a very trying thing, especially because I'm I'm terrible at paying attention to doctors. I know and this is, uh, but, you, but you ask anyone that knows me. Like, doctors will come and me like, all right, so I'm going to explain the following, then we're going to tell you what we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, I try. I do try very hard. And at the end of it, I'm just like, what? Uh, the doctor said something about surgery. Um, and so that's what I think has to happen, you know. Meanwhile, I could watch a program on the History Channel and come out of it, you know, talking about the... Uh, the the individual you know muzzle size of different firearms used during the Napoleonic Wars, um, you know, but this is just uh, you know it, it's the way it is. So uh, I I checked in on January fifteenth, and then they were like, okay, you know, they they by the beginning of the next week because it was a, a long weekend, and nobody wants to work on long weekends, which I don't blame them for. Uh, by the beginning of next week, they were like, yeah, they're like, you're not going home. We really need to check this out. And that's when they did some tests. They took some x-rays and some pictures and they were like, yeah, it's, uh, you're not going anywhere. You need to have your valve replaced. And I was like, my goodness, that's, uh, that sounds like pretty serious business. Now for the record, I've already had, uh, one episode of open heart surgery and that's where they cut you open right down the chest bone, the sternum. And operated. I had that in 2010. And I said to them, I was like, I really don't want this again. And they were like, Well, we can do it through what they call minimally invasive surgery. So they can do it by going through one of your veins, through the neck in this case. They don't have to cut you completely open. And I was like, Fantastic. Sounds like a great idea. So, you know, I talked to people. I talked to my principal, who was wonderful, very understanding of everything, you know, and was like, Look, just. You know, get through this, get okay, and we'll t- t- talk when we're done with this. And um, you know, it was very, it was, a, it was a bit of a, a traumatic experience because here I was, you know, uh, by myself. Even though I'm, I'm older, it's still when, when you're alone, you know, you have hours and hours to do nothing but think and think about things. And you know, it is major surgery, so then all of a sudden, you can't help it but start thinking about like, well, what happens if? Yeah, I don't wake up from the surgery, like what's gonna happen with my my friends, my family, my life, you know what what type of a record am I leaving for the future and you know there was a lot of that going on, and I dealt with it as well as i could um and then you know the date came for the surgery, and uh you know they wheeled me in and i had i had i v s going in. Uh, pretty much every vein that they could find I had an IV in my right arm An IV in my left arm Then they put a thing in my neck And um, You know then they were like okay They were like you know we're going to wheel you in now Wheel me into the operating room On the bed and uh, you know I, I told uh, Some younger guys and I told the one guy That that runs it as I've said before I've I've been put under many times In my life several surgeries And I said alright Do me a favor Give me a few minutes here to recollect about what's going on. And then when, that's, when I tell you, you can go ahead, then you can go ahead. Because, and if any of you out there are listening, and I'm quite sure some of you are. If you've ever been put under, you ever had the the general anesthesia. They always do this silly thing where they're like, all right. Count backwards from, it doesn't matter what they say. It could be 100. It could be 10. It could be Two, you're not going to make it more than one number unless you start speed number. You know, if you do something like you know, you're silly and just like, no, but if you're like, okay, 10, 9, next thing you know, you're out. I mean, if you want to watch them actually push, it's really funny because you can actually see them, they push in the, you know, the syringe. And then you're out. So, you know, I told him though, I was like, listen, before you do this, I said, I want you to give me a few minutes to let me collect my thoughts, think about some stuff. I said, no, I'll let you know. And he was like, okay, that's cool. So I did. And I did. And then he turned around and, you know, after I was done, I was like, okay. And he was like, we're okay now. And I was like, yep. And I was like, make sure. You guys do this through the minimally invasive... Because I do not want my chest bone cut open again. So he laughed. It's okay. So uh, that was that. You know, it was... uh, Alright, I'm going to put you to sleep now. See you when it's all over. And then the next thing you know, I'm waking up. And I got a couple people there. And, you know, stuff stuck into me... Every which way. Because if you ever have heart surgery... Uh, you end up with tubes that are drawing f- fluids out. You have a you have a bunch. You have tubes seemingly coming out of places you didn't know you had on your body. Um, you really don't feel any of it for the most part because you. Right afterwards, you're still under heavy. Uh, you know the 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 drugs are are fantastic. Um, so I woke up. And the guy was there, and I was like, hey. He was like, oh, hey, you know, you're, you're up. I was like, great. I was like, so tell me. We did this thing minimally invasive, right? And he just started shaking his head. He was like, no, unfortunately, you had too much what they call debris. And what this means is that after my first heart surgery in 2010, which was open heart, it was a fault. You know, they cut the sternum. They opened my chest up. There was too much scar tissue in several of the areas to be able to do it safely. So, uh, the, my doctor, the, the the surgeon, Dr. Lee, who's excellent by the way, um, he apparently after an hour and a half decided, I can't safely do this. I've got to go with the full, the full zipper operation, as they say. And, uh, you know, you cut the chest open and I had agreed to that beforehand. I had said, listen, you try as best you can, but at the end of the day, I mean, look, we've got to get the valve out, right? I mean, we can't, <laughs> we can't just be like, Oh, we tried to do it and, um, it didn't work. So we just closed you up and you know, now you've got a valve that's not functioning in there. Um, so they replaced it. They replaced it with an artificial valve, which is funny to think about. So I told my students. And some of my friends, I said, you know, I'm I'm a cyborg now. I said I've got part, I've got a, a you know mechanical thing inside of me, and they were like, this'll last you for another thirty to forty years, and I was like, it'll better last me until the end because I'm not undergoing another stupid open heart surgery. Those things are terrible. If you don't have to get it, don't get it. You know, everything you can else. Anyway, I I came back and um, you know the care I got. I was at Robert Wood Johnson in New Brunswick for those of you in the area, which is an excellent hospital. Nurses uh, and and assistants were phenomenal. Um, The pain wasn't that bad. Apparently, they do this new thing. They block the nerves, which is a lot better than just, you know, pumping you full of of drugs and opiates. Today in the United States, opiates are uh, frowned upon, shall I say. So um I you know I was I was there that was on Friday morning early in the morning and on Monday they sent me home with about you know 40 pills to take every day but they sent me home and I was glad to be home and um you know then it just took a little bit of adjusting um you know it was it was a solid it was a solid week at home before I was really able to do a lot of things myself, like even things like take off a shirt, things we take, we're going to bend over and, and take your socks off, you know, I mean, these are things that, you know, I used to do, you know, the one hand, no problem, but, you know, all of a sudden it became, oh yeah, let me, let me try and do, oh, nope, not, not bending over that far, not, not moving that direction, and then sleeping even was miserable because you can't really move. You know, you, you think, okay, let me lay on my left. Oh, not laying on my left side. No, let me try the right side. Oh, not not doing that either. I guess I'll just lay on my back for a little while. Um, and then, of course, afterwards, after any of these things, you're full. You're basically, you've got a lot of water weight. Um, you're full of water, and you've got to take pills to drain you. Um, and, you know, and I did. And uh, it was a lot. It's a, It's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, and then you just, you have, you know, you have pains all over. I mean, this is, this is major surgery. You know, they, they stop the heart. They put you on the, you know, essentially life support and they do surgery it takes a few hours and it, and it, and it beats up the body. Something fierce. It really does. I mean, like I said, I'm still, here I am, you know, almost two months after the fact and, um you know, I'm still sore in certain parts. And if I, if I do a little too much, if I do too much walking, if I do too much lifting, I'm, you know, it hurts. I'm sore. So, um, you know what? It wasn't fun, but that was, that was my deal. So I had that. And of course I was home from school, uh, even though I was constantly in touch and doing things, which I probably shouldn't have been, but it's just the way I am. So I was constantly trying to do things, grading, talking to people. Um, and now I'm finally back, finally back to school. Friday was my first real day of of teaching, still teaching from home in Elizabeth. Uh, you know, we're teaching virtually. And so that's that. And, uh, you know, tomorrow I'll be going right back into it. I'll be diving into uh, my seventh graders are doing Manifest Destiny. My eighth graders are doing the civil rights movement, so I'll be working with that, uh, but that's why I've been out of things, that's why you haven't heard my dulcet tones for the last several weeks, I was just literally, I mean, it, by the time it got to this time at night, um, even as much as last week, I was ready for bed, I was like, I can't do this, I can't even, you know, I'd be upstairs by 7.30, 8 o'clock and be like, nope, I can't do it, can't do it. That docking out, but I would wanted to get back into things. I wanted to put more podcasts out because I want to continue with the podcasts, um, and I'm going to. Um, so I was like, you know, tonight I'm going to make that effort. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out there for all of my loyal listeners, and uh, I'm gonna explain why I was away. And there's so much to talk about. Oh my goodness! First of all, we have a new president. We have vaccines going out left, right, and center. I myself got my first vaccine uh, shot today. I got the Pfizer shot. Um, I advise everyone listening to this to please go out and get yourself vaccinated. Um, I know people, oh, the second shot is going to be... You know it's gonna be hellish and this and that. No it might be might be for a day I, I you know I've heard different things, some people have had reactions, some people haven't, but I'll tell you what it's a lot better than ending up with a ventilator down your throat because you know you can't breathe because of of this you know terrible virus um and also the more people that we get you know, vaccinating, um, you know, we could build that herd immunity that everyone keeps talking about and very few people understand. And so, um, you know, I'm very, I'm very into that because we do not want this virus to continue morphing into strains, which could be more and more difficult than which we might have to come up with new, uh, you know, vaccines that can, that can handle things, uh, you know, better. I mean, we wanna knock this out now. We really do. And you know, the vaccines are safe. There's nothing wrong with them. They're they're not uh you know, I mean as as all vaccines are safe. Um, you know, as I've explained before, I'll explain again. Doctor Well it's it's no longer done. There. Andrew Wakefield, you know, decided to put out that paper about you know, there's All these things in them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They cause autism. There's never been any linkage with it, okay? There's never been any linkage. And there's no evidence at all that vaccines um, are harmful. The most you could say is that, yes, there is an extremely small percentage of people who react to the vaccines really badly, I mean, we're talking about, you know, you have a better chance of getting into a car accident or a plane crash, um, and the benefits far outweigh that chance that something's going to happen. But, you know, in life, listen, nothing is 100%. You know, nobody, the minute someone guarantees you something 100%, um, that's a problem. That's a big problem, okay? Something's wrong there, all right? Something's wrong, uh, but you know I tell everyone to go out and get it. Like I said, I went today. I got my first uh, my first jab. Three weeks from now, I'll be going in to get the second jab, and you know, I mean, if I if I have a little bit of a reaction to it, uh, at least it'll be spring break for me, so I can just lay at home in my bed. Uh, but if if you don't have that, you know, you take a day off. You know, um, it's just what happens. But go out and get that shot. I got it today, like I said, and, uh, you know, I have no issues at all, Um, you know, and this is now going on over six hours. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, But yeah, so we've got a new president now. We've got the coronavirus. We've got these states like Texas and Florida that are, you know, open for business and we don't have to have masks on. You've got crazy people assaulting Uber drivers. People assaulting flight attendants. Nobody wants to wear a mask anymore because of freedom. <clears throat> you know, um, even though I couldn't go to my local McDonald's if I didn't have shoes and, and a shirt on. I couldn't go in there barefoot and uh, and shirtless. Or they do the whole, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service deal with me. Um, so, you know, it's 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 perfectly okay for a store, for a restaurant to say you have to wear a mask and it, it is better for everyone. And again, it's, you don't have to wear a mask at home. You don't have to wear a mask 90% of the time. You don't have to wear a mask if you're in your car. You don't have to wear a mask if you're at home. You know, um, if you're with a small group of people whom... You know you've been with for you know that that in your quote they called the bubble. It's just if you're going out somewhere, you know if you're gonna go if you're gonna go out to you know pick up something, just put the mask on for the the five minutes you're out of the car. You know you're gonna go to the Home Depot, put the mask on for the ten minutes you need to go out there. Okay, and then when you get out of the Home Depot, take the mask off, no problem. You know, No one's saying you have to sleep with it on. Okay. But you got, you got to wear it. We have have to continue with this because we're at a point right now where we could potentially kill this thing off. We could really, we could, we could deal it a death blow. But what we don't want to do is let it continue to fester and let it start changing. And then we're going to have a real problem. Then we're going to have a real problem. So we've got this massive, in the United States, we've got this massive... A uh, spending bill that just passed, the $1.9 trillion, Uh, you know, and there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of very progressive Democrats, the liberals who are upset about the fact that it did not include the minimum wage hike to $15. Um, there are a lot of conservatives who are upset that it was way too much money. Um, but it, it is a very popular bill with both Democrats and Republican uh, identifying voters. And so we're going to see what happens uh, over a while. I mean, Joe Biden is definitely, uh, he's taking control of the office. He seems determined not to make the same mistakes President Obama made his first two years, which was to to, to constantly try and deal with Republicans, uh, even to his own fault. Uh and and then after two years, you know, all of a sudden the Republicans started taking power back, and then it became okay, you know, we're just going to do nothing. You know, we're gonna stymie everything for the next several years. You know, Biden's been like, All right, this is what I would like. You give me your thoughts if they're close enough. If they're not, then uh, you know, you had your chance, and that's all we're doing. So, um, it's it's a very kind of we're we're putting it through uh one of the things that i'm going to be very interested and there will definitely be an episode about this in the future um is is this new effort to expand voting rights act at a time where you see voting rights under complete attack across the, a lot of the country this attempt to delegitimize and to make it so that you know you can't certain people just can't vote cutting down voting hours getting rid of voting locations, making it so that you have to have a, a valid ID, um, which I'm fine with except that here's the, here's the problem. Then what you need to do is, if you're going to say you need to have a valid ID, that's fine. Then you have to come to every house of a person who wants to vote, okay, at a time of their choosing when they have time, and you have to give it to them for free. Because otherwise, it's what we call a poll tax, meaning it's making you pay. If you say, well, go get a driver's license. Well, then I have to go to motor vehicles. So I have to take the time. I have to drive or I have to get a ride there. Okay, that costs money. Then I have to pay for the, the, either the driver's license or if I just get a, a an ID. Okay, it's not a driver's license. It's just a regular ID. It's still costing me money. So I have to basically pay money. In order to vote, that's illegal. Okay, that's illegal. Uh, now, if you want, if you want to say, listen, do you want to vote? And I say, yes, I do. I say, well, you have to have an ID. Okay, and then they say, look, what time would be good? And I say, all right, here's the deal: six o'clock on a Tuesday night. I'm not doing anything. I'm not working. I'm just chilling out at home. And they say, okay, we're gonna drop by with a little, you know, a handheld machine and a camera, we're going to take your picture, we're going to print it right out, and you'll have it. That I'm fine with, okay? I mean, that's not what they're going to do. The whole point is to, you know, disenfranchise people who don't have the ability to go out with the money. I mean, that's the whole point in making, in, in shortening the hours, you know, because you don't want the people who are like, you know, listen, I got to work nonstop. You know, not everyone can just be like, hey, you know, taking a couple hours off to go vote. All right. They want to make sure, you know, there are people in this country that want to make sure that certain people don't do it. Um, just the other day, I was reading, um, he's a state senator representative. Um, it's something Kavanaugh from, from uh, Arizona said it's not about the number of votes. We want the quality of the votes. The quality of the votes? Ooh, who defines the quality of the votes? you know i mean that's that's very 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 jim crow era talk right there and unfortunately there's a lot of that going on right now unfortunately there's a lot of that going on right now but um you know what really needs to happen is you know the at the end of the day there's never been you know all the allegations you want in the world you want to make when you have no evidence at all And this is as a historian, you know, as a scientist, I always tell my students, I say, listen, you can make any argument you want. But if you're going to make an argument with me, you know, you have to have the burden of proof is on the person making the accusation. So there have been accusations by many people in this country. of Oh, there's voter fraud. We have to protect ourselves. There has been no evidence at all of voter fraud that has gone on in either the last election or the election before that, Uh, every time it has come up in court, the courts have shot it down. They have said there is no evidence of this. Um, So there's no evidence of voter fraud, and therefore it really hardly seems necessary that we need laws restricting voting or making it more difficult to vote unless your plan – is to make it more difficult for certain people to vote. To make it more difficult for certain groups of people to vote. And that's what's going on right now. Right now there's an active effort to make it more difficult for uh, people that traditionally vote, Democrat, people that are minorities, to vote in this country. Um... And this is not just Arizona. This is all over. You know, by passing laws that restrict the, the hours that you can go and vote. You know, then you have to do this, you have to do that. I mean, I know myself, I actually had to go. <laughs> I voted for the first time ever, which it won't happen again, because I just did a thing where it was like, oh, vote by mail, get the vote in early. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And then I got a letter back later on, and it was like, oh, your vote is being but like, provisional, because... Your signature does not match the signature on record. I was like, I've had the same signature since I've been in fifth grade, okay? And so then I had to go, and when I and I did, I went down to the county, you know, uh, office, the voting office, and I was like, okay, let me let me sign this, and here's my stuff. But you know, what if I didn't have the time to do that? What if I didn't have the time to be able to do that? My vote wouldn't have counted. You know, my vote wouldn't have counted. So I'm going to go, next time we have any elections, you're darn right, I'll be going in person, okay, in the great township of Monroe, New Jersey, uh, where they've never given me any problems about my signature, you know, because there aren't any problems. But, you know, how many people does this happen to? And how many people are told, sorry, your vote's not going to count? And then again, you don't have the time to go and wait online at the the county registrar's office and whatnot, and you can't get, you, you know... This is ridiculous. The whole point of a democracy... And before people say, oh, this is a republic, not a... No, it is a democratic republic, meaning that individual votes count. Okay? They matter. All right? An individual's vote is sacrosanct. They get to vote. And so the whole point is that you should want in a democracy, you should want as many people voting as you can get. You want that. Because, you know, if you have policies that favor what people want, you're going to get the votes. It's when you don't have policies that favor what people want, that's when you try and make it so that people can't come out to vote. Because you don't want them going and voting for the other side. You want it so only your people, people that support you, get to come out and vote. So that they get to vote for you. And you know, you end up having a situation where policies that are unpopular, where, you know, 70% of the population doesn't like this. Oops, now it's law. You know? I'm reminded after gerrymandering, we'll have another podcast about gerrymandering. I could go on about that. You know places like Wisconsin, where you've got one party winning. I think sixty percent of the vote, sixty-five percent of the vote, and ending up with forty percent of the seats in the house. And that's just that's just ludicrous. That's that's not at all how it should be. I don't care about people. Well, that's what the founding fathers wanted. It may well have been, you know, uh, considering the way a couple of them thought, but the bottom line is that that's not how a democracy functions. And as the country that claims to be the leading light for democracies in the world, that's not how the United States should be functioning. And everyone knows it, it's just not everyone wants to admit it. In any case, well, I've uh, I've run my course, so uh, this is is the end of things for the evening for me. Um, I hope every one of you is doing well. Um, I hope that you are all happy and healthy out there. And please, any questions or comments, uh, send them over to me. I'm happy to uh, address them. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to, uh, once again, getting this going. Every week, you'll be getting on Sunday nights Another episode of After School History where we'll talk about all of the fun things that I know you love to hear about, um, as only I can talk about them. Anyway, uh, I will talk to all of you soon. Take care of yourselves and have a wonderful rest of your week and a a, a happy St. Patty's Day coming up. And for those of you historians, uh, beware the Ides of March. They're coming up tomorrow. And if you don't know what the Ides of March are, go look it up. Bye-bye.